This episode of the Cutting Edge Podcast is brought to you by GlassGadget.com. Showcase Innovations creates tools that help shower door installers be more efficient and save time. Check out GlassGadget.com for more information. I don't think I remember a time in the past couple of years where we actually were off for two weeks in a row. I don't think that's ever happened. So... You got to get a full drive vehicle. I kind of expected to not be here um, the day before Thanksgiving. That was kind of a planned day off, you know. But then the week before that, I found myself stuck <laughs> in the dirt. Man, I finished an installation. It was a great day. I did I installed two shower doors, one house. It's great. Everything went really well. Lady there was really nice. I got ready to leave and I like got stuck in her driveway. It was like so embarrassing. And it's like she was like, you know, one of these mountain ladies, you know. It's like, you know, I was kind of up in the mountains doing this thing. So she's like, she comes out and she's like helping me, you know. It's like, oh, I'll stand on the back of the bumper, you know, see if you can get traction. And, uh, and that didn't work. Then we were putting stuff under the wheel. And, oh that didn't work. I ended up stuck. I can picture the woman. I can picture the lady going, oh, Chris, you're struggling with those lug nuts. You want me to help you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, picture, picture it, if you will, you know, this mountain woman out there, you know, helping me trying to get on stuff. <laughs> so, oh man, I won't tell you the whole story. Maybe another time, man. It, like, but it's quite a story. Side, Chris, let me just do it. Get out of the driver's seat. I'll take it. All right, cool. Go for it. <laughs> oh man. Oh, man. Nice. But anyway, how you doing? Guys, uh, you know, having a nice uh, start to the holiday season. I know I am. I didn't lose my sense of humor, not once. I was like, hey, you know, I'm here. It's like, you know, just make the best of it. But, uh, you know, one thing I've, uh, Jay and I have identified the last like four years is the week before Thanksgiving and the week before Christmas, there is always every year there's a lottery ticket that calls in that, you know, they start off the conversation with you're going to kill me. Price doesn't matter. I will do anything you want. And it's, it's my favorite time of year uh, because it happens inevitably every year. And this year was no different. Um, I'm curious if everybody else sees that, you know, cause they initially they called me like, I need something right here. Like, Oh, here's another asshole trying to get a rush. Whereas, like if you just wait it out a little bit and they say something like, I'll pay you literally anything, um, you know, it changes your mindset a little bit. Do you guys get those calls? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you're right. It's like right before Thanksgiving and then like right before Christmas. You know, once Christmas is over, it's like nobody cares. Then it does, nothing matters. It's like they put it off for three, four months. But companies coming. Oh my God, this has to get done. 
yeah, we're actually pretty, pretty, uh, pretty busy right now, which is awesome. I love it. It's going to be busy. Yeah, we're busy too. And my salesman in the area says like 50% of the shops in the area are busy and the other 50% are slow. And I feel like the ones that are busy are the ones that are out there advertising, you know, doing like modern day things. Um, and then the other ones and the ones that are slow are the ones that have just kind of have been around a really long time and just really haven't really done much. Um, and they're just kind of drifting along. So I, I feel like they're the slow ones because it seems like more of the, the newer guys that that understand um, you need to like market online and spend money to these days. Um, they're staying busy around here anyway. Because we're busy. I see uh, Bill Dobbin is having trouble getting into the car. That just will not do. Mm -hmm. so I'm going to figure out how to. Oh, God. What's up? He says He's late. For a, a password. <laughs> I'm, I've got one. I've got one. Here, I'm going to get one. I know you guys didn't need a password. It's kind of built into the link, you know? So. Um, that's like I said, Chris. When I tried to log in earlier, the the, uh, the Facebook invite looked different. It didn't have just that yeah. join join button, so yeah. I had to like look through all of the nonsense to try to figure it yeah. out. I thought that was just me. I did the same no, thing. I, same. I told him earlier, like it's just, it looks different, man. That's weird. I finally, I finally figured it out. Weird. So, so what? Chris, what happened out there in California with Cardinal or HMI, whatever they call it? I don't know. I just got an email. What was it? Was that this morning? Yesterday. yesterday. Monday, wasn't it? How did it affect, how's, how's it affecting you guys? How's it affecting the area? I mean, I, well, I, you know, they never showed up before. So I like really, <laughs> no, actually, we're just kind of starting to be friends again. You know, they like, they actually had a rep, showed up out here. And I even ordered a couple things from them and stuff. They delivered it and like I paid for it. And I thought we had a good thing going. And then that's uh, it. They I just guess, disappear. I guess it wasn't enough. I guess just my couple of shower doors weren't <laughs> enough for people. All I ever ordered from it was a shower, uh, mirror metal and stuff. Because when I first started using them, that's all Oscar and Mirror did was metal. They didn't do shower doors. Wow, that's right. Back in the day, H &M. yeah, yeah. Huh. So Tim, if you had ordered more from them, they wouldn't have gone out of you know the area. It's your fault. It and plus, they charge you for delivery too. That's true. So I guess, um, yeah, that's weird, you know, because uh, yeah, they, they it's always been a little bit, I don't, know, a little iffy in this area, I guess for. For years, they've had trouble. Well, they go through a, a CEO every like year, so it's it's always just been seem un, like seemingly unstable. So, is it, it CEO didn't... season again? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I know it's it like cold <laughs> and flu season, so I mean maybe like a C, CEO season too. But I mean, I, I know people that work for them around here, and it's always just a come into work, and then they'll just like throw you out the door the next day. It's just very, it's just always, they always seem very sporadical when it came to keeping help or, you know, whatever. And, you know, we're talking people that are up there. Um, so it didn't really come as much as a surprise to me that they would just close a factory overnight. 
Yeah, Tim, yeah, they yeah, just opened. Was... They just opened Reno up not that long ago. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Hmm. So, are they still uh, in Reno? No, they're out of there. They shut everything down. So my theory is that Reno didn't go well because I know that it wasn't going well for us. So they had they went from Livermore to Reno and then they had Seattle. We ordered out of Seattle and I think there was another location down farther south, but all of it wrapped up. Yep. So Tuesday morning was the email and they said it if you didn't get your order confirmed by Monday, then forget it. And we had an order in on Wednesday. And so now I'm fighting to say, well, why didn't you confirm it on Monday? <sighs> and search for a new semi-frameless shower door manufacturer, which I don't want anyway, but sometimes you got to do it. Yeah, you can get WBS to ship to you. What's that? WBS. Yeah. I can do KDs, but then I have to um, make the glass and I can fabricate quarter inch, but I can't fabricate three sixteenths. And once you, the way that, I don't know if you guys have ever priced out um, the the KDs versus the full set. They don't give, it, they don't give any. No, it's like it's like you can buy the KD alone for two hundred bucks. You can buy the KD plus the glass for two ten. Yes. I mean, it's just yeah, they don't give you any. Out. They don't give you any break. Yeah. So I'm looking at Arizona's kind of the latest, maybe Alumax. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we even have with with uh, so like we'll just do bypass doors. I mean, that's the only, um, right. you know, kind of manufactured doors we do. And that's just because sometimes it's all, you really can't do anything else, you know, in certain situations. And we want to offer that as an option. But yeah, they're getting expensive. I mean, I, I look at, uh, you know, just a quarter inch bypass enclosure, and it's like almost as much as what we pay for three, it's frameless, you know, it's, crazy i mean we we you know price it on you know high enough to make money on it and people will pay it but it's it's crazy yeah i don't know if you order from agalite out here on the west coast there's agalite as an option but they're super expensive you might as well buy frameless <clears throat> it's true bizarre yeah i hate this stuff I hated getting bad glass from our from our fabricator, so I started a fabrication plant. I got cut off from glass, so I started importing myself. So I'm going to start a, a metal, uh, I don't know, foundry. Is that what it is? Who's yep. with me? Yeah. <laughs> plant. You can extrude ingot, your own. Right? Aluminum right. ingots. Yeah. Just like, just start doing it. Can't yeah. be too hard. Yeah, we stopped the semi-frameless and the framed swinging doors. I don't know, probably the beginning of the year when we started. Um, I haven't looked back at all. I <laughs> We haven't looked back at all. We'll do the semi-frameless sliders, but the, the semi-frameless and the frame swinging doors, we we don't even don't even quote out anymore. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much sliders. We do some semi-frameless swing doors 
when it's on a fiberglass surround and it's too narrow for sliders. So that comes up sometimes. We have one builder who is is like our largest builder as a as a whole. It's like all these family members. They do lots of high-end homes, but they do some fiberglass houses too. So, you know, if we want it all, we got to do it all. Not to not to poke the bear, but we uh we tend to every now and then we'll use the the cardinal true fit in place. Like we have, like if it's a narrow fiberglass opening, I'll sell them a true fit for a twenty six inch opening or something like that. But I know that kind of doesn't really help you. <laughs> the, the the cardinal true fit. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It works. It works. They seem to work really well. They they they're higher than a semi friendless swing door, but that's what I quote out. If they're looking for a cheaper alternative, they have to go somewhere else. But we have, we have, we tend to have good luck with the the true fits every now and then. When we run across that. Cardinal had some good choices that fit a niche. Yeah, that's. I just ordered. I think that's my my orders with them are about seventy dollars at a time and few and far between. So I'm not their greatest customer in the area. Uh, well, and did you, everybody saw the the email? It didn't say that they, you know, they weren't making any money. They didn't say we're going to charge more. They said we can't find enough help to stay open. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty scary proposition. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Maybe it's how they treat them. Good point. That is what they said. Did you read Max's podcast this week or his blog spot? No. It was actually about that. How many shops should be going automated and, and getting the robotic help just so you don't have that. Uh, and it helps, you know, you can have a lot of things that are automated in your shop and, you know, it'll reduce your workers' comps claims. Uh, the machines are more dependable if you have a good maintenance guy. It's just options. But that's one of his takeaways from the glass show is that he thinks that more and more glass shops are going more automated, just less number of people and they can work more around the clock. Kind of a big investment on the front end, huh? Yeah, huge investment. But, you know, if you're getting into fabrication, there's times that you need to invest in your company. Sometimes it's to reduce your taxes just to, or it's just to make yourself more efficient and a better company. Or it's because you're having problems with help. And maybe on the upfront cost, it's a lot. But overall, with labor and insurance and everything else and the, and the burden that employees put on you, it's probably a better alternative. Well, I know I know Sidco up in Maine, who's I, I buy a lot from. They're, they're under Old Castle. They've invested a huge amount of money in the last handful of years into like automated equipment and automated systems and automated this and so like they're they're investing in their like their back office people and training and everything and then the people on the floor I don't want to use the word expendable but they're not they don't need to be highly trained so they can kind of come and go when it gets to, to a busier season they can bring people in as just hands on people your job is to push this button and move that over there and all like the highly the higher paid people are in the back doing the autom you know the programming the CAD all that stuff into the systems and then the people on the floor are literally just moving stuff from one place to the other sure. And they, you know, I've noticed a huge, we went and visited their factory a couple months ago and all the new stuff they have is just, it's all high-end stuff, just exactly that. And to your point, Chris, it not only is a lot of money up front on the machines, but you have to have a space to put it in because 
if you're doing it automated, you may be laying everything horizontal, which takes up an awful lot of floor space, unless you start buying the, the vertically orientated machines where you're standing up the glass and running. But yeah, there's a big expense in engineering and you got to lay it out right for good production flow. But it might be the alternative if you're in it for the long haul. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll um, may just end up with less shops, bigger, you know, but bigger and uh, yeah. more automated. Yeah, I, I'm still wondering why they have a hard time getting help. You know, I mean, is their culture bad? Is there, are they paying the right amount? Because like Shannon, you'd, you'd pay for good quality glass. So it, it wasn't a pricing issue. So what is it about them that they can't get help? Are they located in a spot that's really rough or people don't want to go there? You know, it's got to be something. The explanation that I got, because uh, we deal with them quite a bit, is that it was demographic in Reno and everything functioned out of Reno. So well, Reno has been a mess since the beginning and the, and the available employees in that area because of what, you know, what Reno is, uh, seemed like it was a bad decision to start there. And I, and I never, it never went positive from there is what I, what I've been told. Yeah, so it's, it's very much a demographic base. Who made that decision to go there? Did they not do their homework? You know, I see yeah, it. I, I mean, I know who, but I'm, I'm going to throw names out there, but they're no longer, uh, with, with HMI Cardinal haven't been for a while. Um, so it's, I think it's kind of been writing on the wall that they've kind yeah. of been trying to work through and it just never, never materialized. So, you know, it's funny. I see it in local businesses too. Like there's a, a bar restaurant, not too far from us. That thing's turned hand five times and I, nobody can make a go of it. It's not that it's in a bad location and I don't get it. The place is like, it's haunted. They just they can't make a profit. Nobody's been able to to be the magic, they ended up knocking it down. It wasn't an old building. It's crazy. I don't know. Maybe that is demographic where there are just certain pockets where businesses just don't make it, or at least in our industry. You know, but Glass Fab out of Tracy, they they have a place in Reno that they run a truck to. You know. Are they, do, they yeah. doing all right? Yeah. And I understand now they're running up to Seattle with glass that's something i just found out i don't know though i'm thinking it's broader because we i don't know if you guys have seen it but you can go to like a, a fast food chain and see a sign that says we've closed because we don't have enough staff to you know stay open all night tonight um we've had a restaurant close up nearby that had really good food it's pretty darn expensive so it's hard to believe they weren't making money but they the owner said we can't keep we can't keep staff coming in and yeah. then you get i mean they're looking for there, there's a shortage of nurses. There's a shortage of, um, what was the other one I heard recently? Another skilled labor. So, um, no, no, shortages seem to be happening all over the place. And it seems broader than um, a certain demographic or a certain um, type of location. Sure. Yeah, nurses are a big problem countrywide. Yeah. And 
And a nurse is saying, why would I take that job when I can be a traveling nurse, make twice as much money, work less time, do my own hours? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was one of them, uh, sorry, flight attendants too? You know, they're talking about like the government's going, you guys better keep your planes going and the the planes are going, how do we how do we do that if the people just aren't showing up? I don't know. I I travel this Thanksgiving weekend. It does look like the airplane lines are hurt. Mm -hmm. Wow. People are moving. Money's out there. That's true. Well, how much do you think well, you guys how much do you think of the cultural like cultural thing of, of like within the company? Because there are always companies that do well. Yeah. And keep employees. You know, whenever people start talking about oh the economy. Oh, you know, the workforce, oh, this or that, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, to me, it always sounds like an excuse. Of course it is. Of course it is. And ultimately, it's management. I mean, if I was doing bad, I'm not going to be blamed on my employees. I'm going to blame myself. But not everybody has that mentality. You know, and, and an entrepreneur has got to adjust. You know, if it's not working, then do something that is working. Make a change. Can't keep doing the same thing if it's not working because it's not going to get better on its own. You have to do something. You talk about Jerry. HMI is run by like investors. There's no, there's nobody like you that, that like sits at the top yeah. and cares about everybody in there. There's just yeah. great point. Great just, point, Michael. Great point. Any pinching little bookkeepers going, this works, this doesn't crash that invest there. There's nobody at the top saying what is, what is the actual problem? Is it the people? Is it how we treat people? There's nobody. There's nobody looking at that. They're just looking at the dollars and cents and being counters. If, if you taught you out, everybody else taught me that that you just need to invest emotionally into your people, and they don't. I do think FHC's FHC's a great example of that. Absolutely. Where you where you see that they care, they're still investing. You can still contact people. You can still get that relationship base where. A lot of these companies that are being bought out just for investment purposes are trending in the opposite direction. Um, I think that's a great, a great point. And I think that's a key part of what's going on, you know, in our industry and other industries is those companies are struggling because the culture is suffering because of what they're being kind of ran for. It's truly a profit base and that's it. Right. Um, so I think that's a, that's a key point. They're the first ones to say, oh, the next generation is lazy. The next generation is lazy. It's not that they're lazy. It's just that, they have different opportunities and and you just the investors aren't identifying opportunities they don't care they don't they just look at these numbers and it's just it's you not to understand yes. the next generation it's like oh um, well, you know that's what it is the refuse refusal to change to bend to to learn to grow you know and to invest in whatever what is going on right now learning that <clears throat> you know it's like i may not there are big companies that like i'm not necessarily a big fan of Big corporations, you know, but well, like a, a good example that's popping into my mind is Starbucks. You know, Starbucks really made its um, fortune on understanding the generation and like really investing in them. You know, I, I remember reading about um, how they really took off, and it was they were teaching young people like life skills. Not just how to make coffee, but how to be, how to interact with people, um, how to understand people, and it it caused them to grow, you know, exponentially. And 
I, you know, to this day, I mean, star, you know, you go to a Starbucks, man, they're packed. They've got employees. They're not closing down. You know, um, they built this culture, you know, and again, like it or hate it, it worked, you know? Um, and uh, I don't know. Chick-fil-A is the same, same way. Chick-fil-A. They, yep. They train their employees. It's a, a super great model. I don't know how they can make it with all the uh, employees they have on the floor all day, every day. My son used to work there and it's, it's truly a thing to behold. Um, how many people they've got and they're making money hand over fist. Right. Uh, that if that was, that was the best company pivot that I've ever seen during COVID. Chick-fil-A came out way on top. Right next to yeah. him was Panera, and Panera was dying. They didn't make the change. Chick-fil-A yeah. man management saw the opportunity to get them iPads, get them outside the building, and they had yeah. three car lanes going around every Chick-fil-A up till 9 o'clock at night. And, and they're was, full. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the, and the help was fantastic. And Panera's over there twiddling their thumbs and they're ready to close down. They didn't adjust. And yeah. it's the same thing here. Ownership took control over there. Panera, they just sat back. And, yeah. you know, and I, I see yeah, it true. over and over again. Chick-fil-A, you know, they should get a gold star for what they did. Right? Granted, and they and continue to do every day. Like I yeah. said, they, they uh, I heard the other day that they have the highest uh, profit or I don't remember what the number was per store um, of any fast food chain out there. Oh yeah. For sure. And, and that's crazy because of all of the numbers of employees that they have on the shift on any given shift. Uh, it's just, it blows my mind how much, uh, how many people they have and that they're okay. paying. So what are you paying for when you go there? Okay. The chicken's okay. It's nothing outstanding right but the service is phenomenal and if they invest in that service people will pay more because they're getting treated right and they're getting cheated quickly and most of the time their orders are accurate so you invest in the right people train them right and let them do their thing and they'll come around for you and when i hear these other guys saying well we couldn't get help well what did they do to change there's got to be a way of getting help. People are still spending money. I don't care if it's in Reno or Asheville or, you know, anywhere. It, it's going to happen. There's another thing that's going on. Um, I, I don't know if you guys follow Mike Rowe or not, but one of the things that he talks about constantly is the, I think he calls it the skills gap, where there's... Uh, I could get the numbers wrong, but say 11 million jobs available and there's 7 million working age, healthy males that are choosing to sit out of the marketplace. They could be working, but they're choosing not to. Now, I don't know if they're in their parents' basement, uh, you know, mooching off mom and dad or what. I don't know how they, they're making it, but they're choosing not to participate in the marketplace, 7 million, even if all 7 million went to work, you'd still have the 11 million. You'd still got that gap of 4 million. It, it, it's mind boggling. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they do it. Well, so work ethic is part of it, I think, you know, 
a lot of people don't know how to work more than eight hours and they don't expect to work any longer than that. You know, um, I don't know how to act if I don't work more than nine hours or 10 hours, you know? Yeah. So. What do you think that is, Brad? Do you think that's just um, the way you were raised or is it something internal or? I don't know. I just, I, all I can say is the way I grew up, I was expecting more in life, really, you know, and um, I was modeling myself after my, my parents and I don't know. I'm old fashioned. Yeah. Yeah. I had parents that worked hard too, long hours and that was modeled for me, you know, but I don't know, you know, I don't know how much of it's that, it's that old, you know, nature and nurture thing, right, I guess, you know, that old uh, argument of like, which, which causes it, you know, I know I get a lot out of, um, I get a lot out of working a lot more than money, you know, a lot of my identity, a lot of my self-esteem, whatever. So, I mean, I think that's a thing that some of these markets or some of these companies tap into. If you can figure out that that thing that people work for um, besides money, in addition to money, whatever, I mean, that's how you get people to be productive. Well, you know, there's so many complications in our life right now, too, and technologies, you know, with everybody having a phone in their hand. Uh, you have to these days. You have to operate. You do indeed. You did, do he, indeed. did he freeze? Yeah, yeah, he did. Business with your cell phone, all your employees are on the phone, period. You, Your duty was working for the company you were working for. And... Um, now, you know, you don't know if your employees are doing personal stuff, which you really do. <laughs> um, you, there's all kinds of stuff going on, business and personal, throughout the day. And um, how do you regulate that or monitor that? Well, you know, you, you get perceived as a real hard ass and come down on people all the time on stuff like that. So, you know, Bill might have the the answer to that. I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer, but we ran through the same thing. But sometimes you got to look and say, are they making me money? Are they getting the jobs done? And you give them a little bit of slack and they feel good that they have that. I mean, I've driven down the street and see guys at, you know, the fast food restaurant or they run into Panera and they're getting to sit down and they're not supposed to. But I'm not going to raise any flags. They get their work done. Uh, customers are happy. They get good reviews. I agree. You know, it's, yeah, I it's agree. more important to me that the customer's happy and the work gets done. Now, if they're calling out that they can't make it to the next job after I saw that, that's a totally different story. Or if they're missing their customer appointments by an hour because they decided to go take a Taco Bell snack for a couple of hours. Uh, yeah, that doesn't fly. Mm -hmm. But I think if we're reasonable to them and, and we give them guidelines and expectations, you don't have to be the hard ass. I mean, we've been down that road being a hard ass and it doesn't work well. It really doesn't. You can win the battle, but lose the war. 
not worth it. It's better to kind of give in. I understand, guys. Let's work together. We know we have a job to do. How are we going to do this? You know, and and let them buy into it. I think if you just have that heart-to-heart talk with them, look at you're here. I want you to succeed. I want you to give you everything to succeed. But you know, if you're not hitting the jobs on time because you're you're doing this and that, it's not going to work for either of us. And I think they get the message. Sure. I think they respond better to that type of an approach than just yell and scream at them or doctor pay. We know that that doesn't work well. Doesn't sit, doesn't sit well. Yeah. I don't think that approach works anymore. I think it worked when times were different because back in the day there were where you grew up was your opportunities. And if you messed up, then your opportunities got limited and you had to completely move your entire life somewhere else away from your friends. Nowadays, people can move from city to city, state to state so easily. They can have so many side jobs through apps. They can make different revenue, their cost of living. They can they can couch coast. There's so many opportunities that now what used to work is um, you're going to do it my way. These are our standards. You're going to live up to them. And now people are saying, hey, we can't find any labor. It's because you're sticking to the same standards and people's um, you can find some awesome workers that want to kill it for you 12 hours a day and they're there. But then there's also at a different point in their life, they want to work six hours a day and they'll give you everything they got. But they want to go to their daughter's recital. They want to be there for their family. They want to change what they were doing in their life. And the same employee can have different values throughout their entire time with you. So having those touch bases with them to know like, what am I giving you in your life? Are you happy in your day to day? Cause that guy will leave if you keep it one way. But if you know what they want, know what their family wants, know how their, how their days are going, then you can make sure you're flexible enough to know however things are going, they're going to want to show up for you. Um, even if they have, you can't stop him from being on the phone. So instead of being strict, like you said, you can't stop it expect it and build your business around it. Hey, take your calls if you need to. I don't want you to ever feel like you can't speak to your child, speak to your daughter, be there for your family. I want this company to represent a part of your family too. Someone that's always going to be there as you grow and change your values through life. And we're going to modify how we structure your plan within our employment. That makes sense for us because you don't want to go do everything on your own. You want to work for people that take care of it for you and you know, got your back, whether it's insurance or uh, classes because they want to expand their training with you. They want to grow with you. They want to learn different fields. Some people just want to get their paycheck and go home, but find out who they are and give them what they want and they'll stay with you. Uh, that's my opinion. Like you'll find more people, whether it's more pay or same pay, but more time because their current company that they're killing it for won't be flexible on what they need now when it comes to their time frame. not even about the money. So having those discussions with people, you might find some unique cases of people that don't care about money. They're out there, I promise. You're right. It's not, if you look at all the employee things, the number one thing that employees want is to feel part of the team and to feel appreciated for what they do. And if you're you're not showing them the appreciation for it, that, hey, they're making you money, right? Without them, you can't expand, you can't grow. You have to go do the installs yourself. They they want that, that verification, and the understanding that they are part of that team. So you have to acknowledge that. that that's the number one thing employees look for. Sure, money's important, but it's not the, the number one important because you can make a lot of money and not be happy when you get up in the morning. And it's just going to be sour. 
even though they give you a big salary. Salary is not, a, it's just like having a good teacher at school. They talk about, oh, we got to raise the teacher's salary. It's got to raise them. That doesn't mean it's going to get you a better teacher. You're going to get the same teacher with higher pay, but it's not going to be a better teacher. And I don't think it's going to attract somebody that didn't intend to be a teacher growing up. So I just think that's a, a false uh, narrative that they're, that they're playing there. You know, it, it's funny. The timing is pretty good on this. We're talking about employees. I've got a list, that, an email that was just sent from our HR. We have our company party this weekend, and we're celebrating people that have been with the company a long time, and they hit milestones, and we're announcing it. And I'm looking at the number. It looks like I got about 55, almost 65 people that have been with us five years or greater, which is, is pretty impressive. I, I'm blown away, actually. It's pretty good. The top two guys, 19 years, 17 years, and it goes down. And the other one, the lowest one on this list is five years. And of course, we have our startups. But out of the employees we have, there's a lot of them, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, all the way up to 19 years. So that says a lot. The camaraderie is good. The culture is good. Uh, we must be online with pay because they'd be leaving if the pay wasn't right. Bill, I've been, down there, I've been down there twice and I met almost everybody the first time. And then the second time I had kind of, I talked to people, you know, without you and I, they love you. They love you. I'm telling you, like, I don't even know how to, they, they absolutely love you. Uh, they have nothing but good things to say about you. They tell me stories about how you've helped them through in life. And, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I was saying about Connell. There's nobody at the top that cares about the people working there. That, that that's what you have that they don't. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's really important. And that's what Don Fries does at FHC. I mean, this guy's in his 80s and he's still at home shows. He loves the business. He loves his customers. <laughs> it's a huge difference. Sierra Lawrence, you know, obviously Don sold it and it went to a private equity and it's all profit driven. Totally different. FHC is that customer orientated service type business. And, you know, it's funny, Mike. Yeah, the employees love me, but they like the culture. They like everybody. The team that we've built, I think, is a better way to say it. Their, their immediate supervisor, their work partner, the office staff, they get along so well. That that's the thing. As it you got to be a coach, right? You got to culture that. You got to put the people in the create, right position. You got to create space for that too. Yes. You have yes. to allow that, like you have to make enough room for people to do that. You know, if you're all like restrictive, you know, people don't get the opportunity to have relationships and like each other and have fun and maybe joke and maybe, you know, have a, you know, that, that culture. I mean, you have to build, you have to leave a little extra room. It's almost like um, you, you build a warehouse and you make enough room for all of your equipment and all your trucks and all your glass and all your machinery and all your people and stuff. And then like, it's almost like you have to build a little extra space in there you know, you know, your break room, right? Um, yep. The space where people can like uh, feel comfortable enough to be themselves because you want people to be their self, you know? The days of like making people conform, 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 you know? It's like that did what it did, you know? I mean, that, that accomplished all that it was going to. And now it's like, there's an opportunity to tap into people's like, creativity, you know, and their humanity and their love, you know, 
it's like, man, you, you get, you know, you get a person's control of a person's mind, you know, it's like, yeah, that'll produce something, man. You get a hold of somebody's heart and there's like no limit to what, yeah. what you, you know, they might produce. Um, and that's what like, yeah, that's what we need to learn how to do. And it's funny, the things that really turn people on yet, yeah, you know, the acknowledgement they've done a good job, but, you know what the installers really like? Donna makes these sweatshirts and she gave them all new long sleeve things, you know, logoed. They love that. And it's a company thing. Uh, we trade in our trucks when they get to about 100,000 miles, they get new trucks. My God, the guys just, they can't wait to come to work in their new truck. It's spotless, you know, and they, they do a good job taking care of it. And we try not to let them go over 100,000 miles. Uh, it's those type of things that, you know, I, I've seen competitors and they're, an old beat up Chevy van where the paint peels off and the windshields crack and dashboards stuffed with crap. $3,000 shower door from a $500 truck. I can never understand it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you don't think that the customers, you know, walk out after you do an estimate in one of those trucks and take a look at it and, and they try to assess your company from that. Every single one, to, at least down here, they do. Uh, they have time on their hands. Uh, so the image is huge. So what image do you want your guys to portray? You don't want them coming in in a $500 truck. You want them to come in in a, a good-looking company vehicle, and you want them representing the company in a good fashion. It, it's, it's extremely important. Yeah. Maybe make them, like, tuck their shirt in, you know, or, like, comb their hair. If they have any. Brush their teeth before they come. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it, Chris. I want to, <laughs> we can talk about culture all day, but you know, bottom line, you got to sell shower doors, but I think that culture helps, helps sell shower doors. I know it does when you start looking at your, your leads and where your new business come. And when you say it's word of mouth or previous customer, well, that means you did a good job before, or you did their neighbor and your neighbor was happy and they've already recommended it. You can, cut the money out of your advertising budget and put it into the guy's pockets. They're your best salesman. You know, I've got salesmen on the road, but the installers are the best ones. They're the final image of that company. And it's a pretty good chance that the customer will end up doing another door with you, either in that house or in the next house they buy. If the installers do their job, right. Yeah. So true. It's, the longer, it's, the longer you're able to keep it all, it all kind of plugs into each other. Cause I feel like the longer you're able to keep your team, happy and, and effective, like you said, you have five-year employees, then the more effective you are as a company because now your team is more knowledgeable, the people going out, the people behind the scenes are more knowledgeable and the company as a whole is a better company. Um, yeah. So it just it, it just starts with being able to keep the people happy for as long as possible. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I analyze a lot of local businesses that I go to, you know, Chris mentioned Starbucks, but it goes on and on and, Take a look at how many of them have a stable employee base where you recognize that person every time you go. Then there's other businesses. It's a new face every single time. And especially if it's a service business, if you get somebody coming to your house for whatever reason, uh, I got a, a water treatment company and they come out and change the filter every so months. I feel good when it's the same guy that comes back. He knows his system. He's not starting from scratch. That's valuable to me. Saves me time, and I know the guy knows what he's doing. 
but you get somebody like Comcast and every guy is different every single time and they're starting from scratch and they're wasting time. Always blame the last guy for whatever it was. Oh, this guy did a hack job. I'll fix it. He makes it worse. So the consistency is a, is a huge thing. New employees cost you a lot of money. When you look at the amount of money you put into training new guys, when you get somebody that's trained and good, you got to do whatever you can to keep them. It's true. It's like new stuff is expensive, no matter what it is, whether it's a, a new customer, it costs a lot of money to get a new customer, the cost of acquisition, right? Yeah. Um, a new employee costs a lot of money. If you're buying a new truck, it's going to be more than a used truck. You know, it's like, it's cheaper to keep what you've got going you know? yeah yeah you got companies that go out and they get their salesmen going after new builders but what was the last time they went to your existing builder and said are we treating you okay what can we do better and have that good relationship with your existing customer that's going to get you more business and more stable business in the long run that, that's a good one yeah good point your builders be nice to your builders Oh yeah, it's a two-way street. They're gonna they're gonna follow up too. We've talked about that. You're gonna go out to do jobs and the tile's not gonna be ready, or painters are gonna show up and you can't get in the bathroom, all that typical stuff. But if you have that good rapport with the builder, man, that goes such a long ways. And he's gonna be more forgiving to you when the glass doesn't fit or or something goes wrong. That's the other thing. It is a two-way street and and we're not perfect. We wanna be perfect, but we're not. But when you have a good relationship, they go easier on you. Yeah. How many of y'all are like, do something like send out a, a little gift or a card or something to your, um, your existing customers, builders, whatever. We don't, we used to do that. We don't anymore, but the, the phone call, how are you? What can we do? Or do you have a charity that you're doing? Can we support you? It actually means more. Because what kind of gift are you going to send them? A pen? I don't know. Something that says, hey, I'm here and it's got my company logo on it. I think it's more important. You call the guy, talk to him. Is your family good? You're going to have a good Christmas? You know, what can we do to make your life better? To, to them, that's actually more important. More personal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they don't always have to cost you money. I mean, we had a, one of our good project managers just had to go in for heart surgery. I just sent him a text. I says, hey, can, our do can we donate blood? Doesn't cost us anything. But the guy knew that we were behind him. It was huge. I was actually on the receiving end of that today. I had a builder call me and ask me how my family was and how my Thanksgiving went. And I was, I was a little surprised on that. I was like, well, that was pretty, uh, pretty nice to get on the receiving end of that. Yeah. You'll always remember you know? that, though, won't you, Steve? Absolutely. You'll always. So now when he calls, you're going to drop everything and get his job done. Because he sure. cared about you. That's, sure. that's a great example. Mm-hmm. See how smart that is? If that guy sent you a, a pen or a, I don't know, a koozie, <laughs> right. doesn't change your life. But that phone call does. Changes your frame of mind. Yep. Offering blood, man. Gosh, dude. <laughs> Those things don't come around that often. No. <laughs> but when you, but when you see them and you strike. Yeah. 
You got a, a, a builder, a contractor, a customer that you see is going in for surgery. I'll, and I tell you, I'm telling this from, a, from an experience when Keith was sick younger. I'll remember two people that asked me if they could donate blood. And that was 30 something years ago. And I still remember it. That's powerful. Wow. Heard it all. Yeah. It's simple. doesn't cost you anything. No. But you can make lifetime relationships out of it. And it's huge, man. I mean, it's like, what, you know, what can you do more personal for somebody, you know, offer them a kidney? Or yeah. yeah. I don't go that far. <laughs> the thing about blood, though, is, you know, you don't have to be the same thing. It'll just go into a blood bank and they'll give them an equal amount. So if you're given a quart of blood or whatever, they, you know, a vial and they need it in a different uh, type. Type or something, yeah. They'll just swap it out. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. And you can make more blood, you know, so that's good. It's not like a kidney. Yeah. I can't really throw a new kidney. As long as you don't carry glass wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> lose a lot of it. Yep. Fantastic. Wow. What are we missing here? Anything uh anything we need to talk about? There's nobody on here from Ohio, right? So we can talk about that great Michigan game. There you go. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. It was funny, you know we have an NIL agreement with the Michigan football player. So he's been on the team three years. So all three of the years he's been on the team, they beat Ohio. That's that's pretty strong. There you go. I think uh, Billy and, and uh, uh, Greg went to the Tennessee game. I was down to see Billy last week. We were there the day after Thanksgiving. And, man, he's doing such a good job in Asheville. He's doing a great job. That doesn't surprise me. No. Billy's a good guy, man. Yeah. Don't don't tell too many people. Don't tell too many people. No. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I saw the blog that Max put out. He, he spoke highly of you, Billy. Did you read it? Max Max is the greatest of the great. He is. Max is the greatest of the great. We all we all hope to be Max when we grow up. Oh, that is a fact. Max knows too. I mean, if yeah. Max says something good about you, man, I mean, you know. Yeah, and and last in in Max's last week uh, blog, Billy was highly recommended. You better print Max, it and send it out there, Billy. Frame it. Yeah. So Max, Max is Max is a big buddy of mine. The offensive coordinator, kind of random story here for you. The offensive coordinator of the D Detroit Lions right now is my high school quarterback that I played with in high school. His name is Ben Johnson. So Max loves him. So Max talks about him every time we talk, and Ben is going to be up for several head coaching positions in the NFL this year at like 38 years old. So nice. look him up, Max. Max, that's Max's guy. He's just going to be sad that he might be leaving Detroit soon. So, <laughs> oh, that's crazy. so is Max from Michigan originally? Um, I don't know originally. I know he's in the Detroit area now, but I I think so. I think so, but I don't want to say that for sure because I'm not positive about that. I was trying to get him to come south because I know I know it's cold here, but it's nothing like it is up there. So, yeah, I always thought he was a Pittsburgh guy from that area. I was actually yeah. born in Michigan. I'm from Grand Rapids originally. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember like 
the Detroit Lions. And I can't try to remember them winning something. <laughs> is there? <laughs> is it just me? But quite honestly, I didn't know they were still in the league. Right. <laughs> Detroit Lions and the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Right. And it's uh, yeah. I would say you've upgraded your environment a little bit, Chris. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. I got Michigan's nice, but, but but Santa Cruz is a little nicer. Yeah, yeah. It's a good place to be from, you know? But, oh, yeah, I'm from there. Great. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the icon in the glass industry passed away here a while back. is uh, Don Harder. And he was like Max with the NGA. Oh yeah? Back in the day. Yeah, I don't know him. Yeah, he he wrote codes, he did he did everything. He put out he had the California Glass Association out here. Wow. And he even wrote a uh, a book or a catalog with all the codes and everything to follow and, and he was quite well known in the NGA back in the seventies. And what was his name? Don Harder. Don Harder. He had Hal's Glass down in uh, LA area, I think. Santa Monica, I believe. Well, I'm glad you mentioned him, Tim. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, I, wonder, I always wondered what happened to him. He was like 93 years old. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah he used to live up out of Sacramento. And that's where he had his... The California Glass Association. Obviously, he had plenty of blood. See, he was good. Yeah, he was a good. You want to know anything about glass back then? You talk to him and he'd tell you. Yeah, so right now, Max is the contact, right? Yeah. Anything else good, Chris? I don't know. It's pretty much, pretty much it, you know? Kind of out of practice. It's been a couple of weeks. That's it. Gonna so, kind of ease easing back in. Hey, thanks everybody for showing up. It's always great to see you. I miss you. Miss you, you know. We don't get together. So Glad hey, what happened to your van when you're out in the boonies? Oh dude, <laughs> I was um so I finished the job. It was great. Everybody was happy. I was feeling good about it. It was probably like three thirty or something. Uh, and uh so it was a, she had a dirt driveway, it kind of came to a T, up a hill, you know, kind of steep, and then teed off the top. And it was dirt, but it was packed. They're just getting ready to pave it, you know. And uh, so I kind of backed up, came around to make that turn. I was like, yeah, it was just a big old long van. I was like, yeah, I was, was not going to quite make it. So I backed up, started backing up, and the thing just started to slide. Uh, it's a 350, you know, and, um, and so there's no, there was no glass in it because I'd already installed it all. So there's no weight in the back and it just was not getting traction. It just kind of started sliding. I tried to back up and it would just started digging in and then it was terrible. So I ended up kind of like diagonally across this T. And there were some like bushes, not really a tree, but a pretty good sized bush that the, and a fence, you know, and so I was just kind of stuck up against that. And I was like, I, I couldn't move it. Um, and uh, 
the lady, you know, like I was telling her earlier, you know, I was like mountain lady, you know, I'm up in the mountains, you know, so she came out and she's trying to help me. And she's like, uh, we're trying to stick and stuff under the tire. And oh man, it was, I ended up sitting there for, for hours. Um, tried like call AAA. They're like, oh yeah, we'll send somebody. It'll be like 90 minutes. You know? So after like two hours, I'm like trying to call them. I barely got a signal. And, uh, and they're like, oh yeah, we're not coming. It's, um, you don't qualify because it's a commercial vehicle. It's like, wow, man. Well, I wish you would have told me that like an hour and a half ago. You know, <laughs> I I still do need to get towed out though. They're like, oh well, here's the local company. You call them. So I call them. They're like, okay, yeah, we'll be there in you know whatever, ninety minutes. Then they call me back in fifteen minutes. Like, oh, the guy, you know, the the driver says he he, is, he doesn't think they'll be able to get you out because it's dirt, you know, and it's the vehicle's too heavy or whatever. So I'm like, so what? I mean, if I can't, I can't just live here, you know, like it's, we've got to get it out. So I went up to knock on her door. I've been there for like three hours sitting there in the driveway, stuck, you know, so I, well, I guess I better go tell the lady of the house, you know, knock on the door and, and she's, uh, she goes, oh, I called my handyman. He's coming over. He'll be able to get you out. He can do anything. So sure enough, you know, about three minutes, this guy comes up, in a pickup truck, he put some straps around the wheel. And what he did was, instead of trying to pull me back out, he just like drug me the rest of the way. You know, I was already kind of sliding. So he just kind of did some judo on it, you know, helped me keep sliding the way I was already sliding. Got me out in like five minutes, no problem. So what the tow truck drivers were afraid to do, some handyman came and did it. So there's a lesson in that. I'm not sure what it is, um, but uh, but it's not call the handyman for your shower door. No, no. Okay, all right. Just no. making sure. No, it's not that. If you're stuck <laughs> and no one else will come to help you, might as well try the handyman. You know, what can you lose? The handyman can. The handyman can. <laughs> Oh man. So anyway, that's my story. I'm embarrassed, but you know, <laughs> all's well that ends well. All right, y'all have a great evening. We'll come back and try it again next Wednesday. Hey, this is Chris Phillips and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. You may want to join the shower door professionals group on Facebook. Just go to Facebook and search for Shower Door Pros and you'll find us. I look forward to seeing you.